Thanks, Jenny, one of our Connect folk there, growing up playing hockey with her brothers. Some good stories there. This, this series that we started last week, we've been talking about this whole idea of um, the relationships in our lives and how memories are such a huge part of that. Last week, we talked all about the idea of just being careful because many of us here this morning are achievers. We love to get things done. We love to achieve. And sometimes we do it for our loved ones. We want to be able to do well at work, be able to provide more. And, and if we're not careful, we tend to achieve at the expense of connecting. So we talked about how um, it will be a really good thing to set a goal to, to achieve, but also to be able to create that space to make memories with the people that we love. This week, we're going to continue on talking about memories, but we're going to take another kind of look at it. Because you see, relationships are a huge part of every one of our lives. Every one of us is involved in multiple relationships, whether it's with a spouse, kids, parents, neighbors, coworkers. Every one of us have many different relationships in our lives. But every single relationship that we have in our lives has one thing in common. Do you know what that is? It's you. Yes, you, not with everyone, but all the relationships in your life, you are the common factor with every one of those relationships. So no matter what kind of relationships where they are, whether they're healthy, unhealthy, distant, close, you are the common factor in those relationships. So you, to some extent, determine the health of that relationship. Where you are in your own current life will determine the relationships that you're a part of. So today, we're actually going to take a look at memories, but memories from the past. Because if we're honest, every one of us can look back in our lives, and we can probably remember some great memories, but if, if we're totally honest here this morning, maybe some of us will look back and there are some memories that aren't so great. Because the reality is, we all grew up in different kind of families. Now maybe your family looked like one of these two up here, okay? So that's uh, Leave It to Beaver and the little house on the prairie. Um, I've never seen Leave It to Beaver, but I keep hearing about this Leave It to Beaver family. They were the, the ideal family. So maybe your family were like the Cleavers. Maybe your family's like the little house on the prairie. But in reality, probably every one of us would say, yeah, no, not so much. Our family was a little bit different growing up. So today we want to talk about healing those memories. I was really, um, I, I got here at 7 o'clock this morning, found out there was no power in the school. We were looking at the different options of whether we should cancel service, whether we should, uh, but I just really felt like this is something that God has put on my heart to share with you this morning. I think this could be a breakthrough for some of us here in this morning with regards to memories um, that go right back to our, our family growing up. And I was really, so, so when we found out we could run generators and we could make it work, I, we really kind of went for it because we, wanted, we didn't want to miss this opportunity for you to be a part of church this morning, but to hear this message. Because the truth is that some of our toughest memories can go back to some family traditions or patterns of pain. Maybe it's a negative trait or a habit that you see cropping up in your life and you're becoming more aware the older you get that this is something that, that really you've kind of inherited. You can actually trace it back to your own family growing up. Maybe you've heard the phrase, oh, our family puts the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> Maybe that's <laughs> your family this morning. And the reality is whether... Um, you can pinpoint some specific generational patterns, something destructive like addiction, abuse, infidelity, bitterness. Or maybe it's more subtle things. Maybe when you think about it, it's like, you know, there weren't some terrible things in my family growing up, but there were some things that now I'm getting older I can see developing in me. 
An organization called the Barna Research Group, they, they did a survey recently, and they found out that over a quarter, 26% of American families reportedly struggle with gossip. One in four American families, according to this research, struggle with gossip. They found out that 35% of families say that they know they spend more money than they should. And then they said 55% of American families say that they are prone to overeat. That's over half the families asked said, yeah, if we're honest, we probably eat more than we should. And the reality is that some of these generational patterns, they can develop around habits of worry, fear, bitterness, dishonesty, isolation, gossip, overspending, overeating. So what we know for sure is that generational patterns, whatever they look like, are quite common. So if you happen to be sitting here this morning, as I've kind of led into this introduction, you're thinking, oh boy, it's going to be tough because my family is so messed up. Don't worry, we all are. Every one of us can trace something probably that's affected who we are today. But just because that may be the case, it doesn't mean that we have to just sit here and shrug our shoulders and think, well, I guess that's just the way things are. I actually believe that God wants to help us deal with some of these patterns, break some of these habits that have formed in our life. Set us free from some of those painful memories. In fact, he actually addresses this whole concept, this idea, in, in a book called Exodus. He's talking to Moses, and, and he brings up this idea of the, the impact families can have on our upbringing. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. God's speaking to Moses. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Now, some of you may recognize the words of this verse. Some of you may be familiar with it. You may not recognize it because it's slightly out of context, but this was the the second of a list of 10 um, commandments that God gave to the people of Israel, these instructions that he gave to his people through Moses. Now you may be familiar with the, 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 the verse I'm talking about, the, the time, the passage of time that I'm talking about. If you're not, then I actually was able to go through and I found Moses has an Instagram feed and I found this picture on his Instagram feed. So that was the, uh, the picture. So got a lot of likes for that one if you uh, remember that. That's Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. So he's, he's been given these, these Ten Commandments In a world back then that was full of foreign gods and idols, God spoke to the people and said, "Um, I want to be at the center of your lives. I want to be over and above everything else that you may be tempted to worship. And the truth is, thousands of years later, there are many of us here at Connect this morning who have made that same commitment, that we want Jesus, we want God to be the center of our lives. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, what it looks like to have a Christ-centered life. And that's what this commandment is basically saying, that, that God wants to be the top of the list. He wants to be the center of the people's lives. That they're to put no other idols before them. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. But here's the amazing thing, okay? Listen to the very next verse after that. So it says that he's a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. 
The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Well, hold on a second. That, that seems to be a little extreme, doesn't it? Laying the sins of the parents on their children? What's up with that? One version you may be familiar with actually puts it this way. In Exodus 20, verse 5, it says, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So why should we be punished for the mistakes our parents and our parents' parents made? That just doesn't seem fair to me. And maybe some of you have read this before and thought, I, I don't understand that. Why would God say the, the, the parents commit the sin, the parents do something wrong, and then the children and the children's children are punished as a result of it? Well, let me first explain to you this morning what this doesn't mean. This verse doesn't mean that God punishes us for the mistakes of our parents. In fact, throughout the whole Bible, you can find multiple verses that explain the, that we are held accountable for our own lives, for the choices that we make, for the decisions that we make. We will be held accountable for those and no one else. In fact, Ezekiel, one of the prophets in the Old Testament, he says this in Ezekiel 18.30, Therefore I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Sovereign Lord. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. This is just one of many verses that clearly explain that, that God will hold us accountable for our own lives and for the things that we do and the things that we do wrong. You see, the problem we have here is that the Old Testament, it was originally written in Hebrew. So when we read these passages in Exodus, okay, we're reading what was once written in Hebrew and it's now been translated to English. And because of that, this word here for punish, it's a Hebrew word that's actually pakad, P-A-Q-A-D. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced pakad, but let's be honest, would you trust me on knowing how any word should be pronounced? It's garage, okay? So... Uh, so pakad, as well as being translated punish, there are other times in the Old Testament where this Hebrew word is used, and instead it's translated um, visit, to visit, or to attend. So another translation, you could actually say that the, the parents' sins will visit the children. Or as one translation put it, and I like this translation, it's called the voice, Exodus 20 verse 5, it says, as for those who are not loyal to me, their children will endure the consequences of their sins for three or four generations. So my understanding of this verse isn't that God will punish the children for the sins of their parents. But what he's actually saying is the, the children will inherit, the children will suffer the consequences. Here, let me use a modern day example. Let's say, for example, your dad's a bank robber. Okay, he robs banks for a living, and then one day he gets caught, and he's standing before the judge. He's about to be sentenced to go to jail for 10 or 20 years. And uh, the judge in that moment isn't going to say, I sentence you to, to 20 years in prison, and then is that your son out there? Okay, I'm going to sentence him to 10 years as well, just because he's your son. That just wouldn't happen, would it? But the reality is, if that person, if your dad is sentenced to 20 years in prison, in actual fact, you are going to be punished. You're going to grow up now without a dad. You're going to be raised by a single mom. Financially, your upbringing has just changed. Maybe that's all you've ever known growing up, and, and because you're struggling to make ends meet, you yourself turn to a life of crime because that what was, that's what was modeled to you by your own father. 
So while you weren't punished by the judge, in essence, there is a punishment that sometimes we inherit because of what our parents might do. You see, as we look at our families, maybe some of you are already putting these pieces together. And you're starting to realize that in some ways, it's almost like you're being punished today for something they did a long time ago or a way that they behaved. And this morning, we're going to discover that with God's help, we can break those patterns. God can help us to break those patterns, to heal those memories in our lives. Now, before we move on, this is important, okay? We're not looking to blame or shame our parents or our grandparents. The truth is that many of them were probably just living out what was modeled to them, dealing with their own painful memories and patterns. The great news is this morning, though, that whatever the painful memories are that lie in your past, we have hope in our future. We may not be able to undo some of this, but we can move forward with a different mindset, with a different attitude. And this hope doesn't just affect us. This hope affects our kids and our kids' kids. So in a moment, we're going to kind of look really practically at just a few ways that will help us break some of those patterns in our lives. That's my prayer this morning is that um, not only will it help you to, to kind of see some of those patterns, but that you'll be able to break those patterns. But here's the challenge. You see, as harmful as those patterns tend to be, they can still be strangely comfortable because so often they're all we've ever known. Let me show you how breaking a pattern can actually cause discomfort. I've got a picture here of some bricks that were laid. Yeah, (laughs) do you see that? At some point, some guy decided that the two bricks in the middle needed to just go the other way. Some of you, it's just, you're getting angry now, aren't you? You're You're starting to get frustrated at how that pattern has been broken. Let's look at this next picture. Any of you here this morning just really just want to put that pencil back? It's like, come on, what? You're the other guy that's just not going to let those pencils sit like this. How about this one? This will really get to some of you. Oh, some of you now, some of that kind of OCD in you, you're like, oh, that's really bugging me. Someone needs to straighten that out because that is just not right. There's just something in us, isn't there, that when, when patterns are messed with, it just kind of riles us up a little bit. So I want us to be honest with ourselves this morning. Just because we could sit here and say, well, I want to break this pattern. I want to, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Sometimes we get so used to these, these generational patterns in our life that the idea of changing them or moving them or breaking them actually makes us uncomfortable. But if we hope to break these patterns and find some, some healing here for those painful memories, it's got to be done. We've got to push through that discomfort. So here are some thoughts I have on on how we can um, address and break some of those patterns in our life. The first step, I think, is to recognize. To recognize that these things exist. These things exist in, in all of our lives to one extent or another. You know, our goal here at Connect is that you would come to a place of um, discovering Jesus, having a relationship with him, having him at the center of your life, and that's awesome. That is our goal. That's why we planted Connect Church in the first place, to, to introduce Jesus into the lives of those who don't yet know him. But it doesn't stop there. That's a great goal to have, but you know, Jesus has so much to offer than just a relationship, just a one and done, just a a ticket to heaven. He wants to change your life. He wants to change you from the inside out. Amen. (laughs) 
And sometimes, you know, that's hard because sometimes he wants it more than we want it. Because he's going to come in and um, I remember hearing an illustration, once a great illustration about how our houses are, or our houses, our lives are like houses. And we want to give God permission to come in and say, okay, God, you can come in and you can, you can redecorate. I give you permission to come into my house. And, and then he comes and he decides to get rid of some wallpaper and you're like, I'm good with that. And he decides to paint another wall and he's like, I'm good with that. And he goes into a room that you weren't really expecting him to go into and he's going to knock down a wall or put a window and you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. I wasn't even sure I was going to let you in that room and now you want to knock down a wall? Now he's building parts and he's changing parts and he wants to open that one door and you're like, ah, you're not going to in that room. He wants to be a part of every part of our life. We have to be willing to just say, God, extreme makeover, go for it. But it's not easy. So the first step is recognizing those patterns in our life. And remember that often they are so ingrained in us, they're so completely part of our story and context that we may not even see them right away because they're just so much of who we are. And yet Jesus wants to help us to change some of these patterns. I'm doing a, uh, a college class right now, and um, I got to meet with my, it's an online class, but I got to meet with my fellow students a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were all going through this class together that's talking about things like this, talking about family and um, how it affects you and how it affects your ministry, and it's a fascinating class, and one of the um, exercises they had us do was to, to build what's called a genogram. Now, a genogram is when you get a pencil and paper, and you just basically start to map out your family tree. So you map out your family of origin, and then you start to look a little bit more at detail in how that's helped to shape you in who you are, the strengths and the weaknesses. So when I arrived at this campus and we were working on it together, I actually thought I'd done mine wrong. Because I'm looking at these other people in the class, and they've got dozens of family members, and they've got this, this person got divorced, and this person did this, and they got remarried, and they got remarried a fourth time, and then this is my second cousin's wife. You know, and they've got this massive thing. And, and I looked at mine, and mine was me and my sister, my mum and my dad and their parents. My mum had no brothers and sisters. My dad had one brother. And I was like, I think I've done this wrong because it's just kind of an ordinary looking picture. <laughs> but what I started to realize was that even in an ordinary looking picture like that, I could start to see things that have developed in my family that affect who I am today. Do you know what's crazy? One of the things I learned doing this class is growing up in my family, we had a good family. For the most part, growing up, things were always good. So what that meant was when things weren't so good, well, we just didn't really address that because for the most part, things were good. So anytime something not good happened, we just kind of swept it under the carpet. And what I'm realizing now in my own life, in my own marriage, in my own ministry is, is if I'm not careful, I can tend to avoid things. I just like things to be good. Just it'll work out. It'll be fine. <laughs> And God's stirring that up in me and showing me this is kind of how I've, I've grown up. This, is a, this isn't an unhealthy generational thing like a, an abusive situation or an addiction, but it still is affecting who I am. And it's still something that God is helping me to recognize and do something about. One of the most challenging aspects of this, as I said earlier, is that we often don't know any different. We assume life is like this for everyone. Sometimes we even make excuses for these patterns, saying, well, it's just the way I was raised, or we diminish them by saying, it's not a big deal. And so this morning, if you're wondering if a particular behavior or pattern is real or is harmful, then there's a good chance, if you're wondering about it right now, that it is. You may need to seek a advice from a trusted friend or a counselor and say, hey, I need you to help me kind of work through this. I want you to speak truth in love to me. 
Someone you trust who may be able to help you recognize that pattern and how it needs to be broken. You know, once we recognize these generational patterns, it's then time to to do the hard work. Because the hard work is we need to release them. Once you've recognized them, you've got to work at releasing them. So let me give you a word of hope right now, and that is that God is able to help you do this. He wants to give every one of us a chance to, to reject that past, to begin again. In Isaiah 43, it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Whether this is your first day following Jesus or your thousandth, ten thousandth day of following Jesus, he still is wanting to do a new thing in your life this morning. So how do we release this pattern? Well, this is the hard part because most likely it's going to involve forgiveness in some form or another. And that's tough. For some of us, going back to some of those memories that still bring a bit of pain, to to release that, to set us free from that, there's going to be some forgiveness that's going to need to take place. Now, forgiveness isn't just overlooking or excusing or pretending it didn't happen. Forgiveness is the act of just letting it go. Because sometimes there's someone in our family who we need to forgive. And I know this morning for some of you, as I say that, it's very easy to say, but right now, your stomach's kind of twisted in knots because that's a much bigger ask than just a simple, okay, I'll do that. The truth is, I could probably teach all this morning just on the idea of forgiveness. We could do a whole series just on forgiveness because for some of us, it's such a huge part of what keeps us trapped in these patterns. Again, this is one you may need help from a friend or a counselor or somebody who you trust but it may be the key to you releasing yourself from this pattern. Because just remember, the person you're struggling to forgive, they themselves were probably caught up in their own patterns. You may actually need to pray a prayer that Jesus himself had to pray. We read it in Luke 23, verse 24. Father, forgive them. You may need to add the line and help me to forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That was Jesus' prayer of forgiving. Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what it is they're doing. You may need to pray that prayer over a a parent or grandparent or a loved one and say, God, please forgive them, because they didn't know what they were doing. And if you still need motivation to pray that prayer this morning, think about the words in this quote. A guy by the name of Lewis Smedes said, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that that prisoner was you. That's forgiveness. It's not just setting the prisoner free. It's setting yourself free of the prison that that has put you in. Then there's one last step, I believe, in breaking these patterns, helping to heal these memories. And this one's different than the others because this is something that only God himself can do. That is that God wants to help redeem these patterns. I believe, and I've seen this play out in my life and the lives of others, that God can take even the most painful parts of our lives, the most destructive patterns from our past, and somehow work them for good. Paul talks about this, a guy in the New Testament, when he writes to a group of Christians in the city of Rome. He says in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I've seen people, I've met people who have gone through incredibly traumatic experiences who have gone on to become amazingly gifted in empathy, find themselves walking alongside people who are struggling. 
I've seen people who have lost a loved one be able to come through that pain and find strength in God. And then in turn, show that strength to others when they themselves are going through their own tough times. But from my experience, without God in the mix, redemption seldom, if ever, happens. It just doesn't. But I believe that with God, it can definitely happen. God is the one who can redeem any and every painful memory. And the good news is he wants to. He's in the business of taking our lives and redeeming them and turning them around. So this morning, if you're battling some painful memories from the past, if you're realizing that there is a pattern in you that that you finally want to see broken, God wants to help you. He wants to help you this morning to recognize and to release it. He wants to redeem that situation for good. God never wastes pain. I believe he can take whatever it is that's been a part of your life, he can actually take it and and redeem it. can allow it to become something that becomes a strength in you, something you're able to help others with. And I know this morning this isn't going to be easy for some of you. I wish this is one of those messages where you could walk out today and say, you know what, I, I, I like that idea. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And you just flick the switch and it changes overnight. It isn't. That's not going to happen. For some of us, it's going to be making a decision to to step onto this this journey that could take days, weeks, even months to see those patterns change. But I want to tell you that if you're willing to, to place your trust in God and allow him to work in your life, you can see it happen. I want to close this morning by giving you an illustration of how this works and and also an illustration of how important this is that we look at breaking these patterns and healing these memories. You're going to see a picture on the screen of a guy who was uh, riding a bike. He was challenged by some of his friends to ride this this special bike because they'd actually um, re-engineered this bike that he's riding in this picture. So they wanted to do this experiment uh, to see if this was possible. So they, they built this bike, his friends of his, and they built it in such a way that they put these cogs on it and they kind of welded it together. So basically, when, he, when you turn the handlebars left, the wheel goes right. And then when you turn the handlebars right, the wheel goes left. Now you'd think, wouldn't you, well, that sounds pretty easy. Just like riding a regular bike, just do things in reverse. Well, it turns out it wasn't quite as easy as it sounded. Check out this first clip of him trying to learn to ride. All right. So, the faster I go, the better. Yeah. I couldn't do it. You can see that I'm laughing, but I'm actually really frustrated. In this moment, I had a really deep revelation. My thinking was in a rut. This bike revealed a very deep truth to me. I had the knowledge of how to operate the bike, but I did not have the understanding. Therefore, knowledge is not understanding. So he takes this bike on the road. He goes to universities and he teaches about this and how our brains are hardwired. Once you've learned to ride a bike, your brain is hardwired to learn that way only. Left turns your left, right turns your right. He would stand on a stage like this and he would, set, he would get a volunteer out of the crowd and he would stand them on the side and then he'd stand over here with a $100 bill. It was like 20 feet. He goes, just ride to me and the money's yours. And on this video, you see these guys just, they cannot do it. And how frustrated they're getting. It just seems, in their head, it seems so easy to do, but it's just so hard because they have to break a lifetime of thinking a certain way, a a generational pattern that is built up in their minds. 
But the guy on the bike, he's determined to figure this out. So do you know what he does? Five minutes every day, he practices on his driveway. For eight months, <laughs> eight months, he rides this re-engineered bike. And then suddenly, one day, check out this video. What I did. It was a personal challenge. I stayed out here in this driveway and I practiced about five minutes every day. My neighbors made fun of me. I had many wrecks, but after eight months, this happened. One day I couldn't ride the bike and the next day I could. It was like I could feel some kind of pathway in my brain that was now unlocked. It was really weird though. It's like there's this trail in my brain, but if I wasn't paying close enough attention to it, my brain would easily lose that neural path and jump back onto the old road it was more familiar with. Any small distractions at all, like a cell phone ringing in my pocket, would instantly throw my brain back to the old control algorithm and I would wreck. But at least I could ride it. So he's still a little shaky, but he's actually able to ride this bike. It took him eight months practicing five minutes every day. But the good news is it is possible to break long-held patterns. It's not easy, but it can be done. But here is the best news ever. One of his trips was taking him to Australia to speak at a college in Australia. So he said to his son, hey, if we can make a bike for you, his son's eight years old, the same as dad's bike, if you turn left, it goes right, if you turn, would you like to try and learn how to ride that? His son can already ride a regular bike. He's like, in fact, if you can learn how to ride the bike, this special bike, I'll take you to Australia with me. So the son's like, okay, I'll do it. Here's a picture of his son riding his bike. Eight years old, been riding a bike for a few years. Do you know how long it took him? Not eight months, two weeks. Two weeks he figures it out. And the guy in the video explains, for me, I had to break a lifetime of learning, a lifetime of this, this generational pattern. For my son, he was still young enough and he was still new enough at bike riding that it didn't take as long to break that pattern in him. This picture reminds me that for us, it may be painful, even excruciating at times, to break these patterns in our life. But think of how much better it will be for the next generation, for our kids and our kids' kids, as we break those patterns, as we break those things that maybe have come down from our parents and our grandparents, that we're not being punished for, but in a sense we are because, because of the way they were and now we are today. You know, I read that verse earlier in Exodus about consequences and how the next generation can face those same consequences of the parents. But listen to what the next, I didn't read the next verse. Listen to what the next verse in Exodus says, chapter 20, verse 6. For those that do follow God's commands, I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. God says this works both ways. For those damaging patterns, they can affect the next generations. But man, when we get it right, when we figure this stuff out, when we correct some of those patterns in our life, it's lavished upon our descendants for a thousand generations. Not only do we have the chance this morning to address some of those, those memories that may need healing in our lives, we have the opportunity to affect our kids' memories and their kids' memories if we'll allow God to work in our lives. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, this is quite a um, deep topic to dig into. You can't really scratch the surface of a subject like this. But God, I do believe that you are in the business of changing lives. 
that while you want us to come into a relationship with your son, Jesus, it doesn't end there. In fact, it only just begins. So there's so much work you want to do in our lives because you love us so much. You want us to experience the best life possible. And you want to set us free from some destructive habits and patterns that exist in our lives that some of us have just kind of accepted. Well, that's just who I am. And yet, God, you look down and say, but that's not who you have to be. With my help, I can help you recognize and and release and redeem that situation. So give us the strength and the courage this week. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would be at work in our lives this week, that this would be a a concept or a message that we wouldn't be able to shake off easily. We'd find ourselves thinking about it this afternoon, this evening, through the week, and and even praying, saying, God, I've started to recognize that this is a part of my life that I've just allowed to be there for too long. It's time, Lord, to make a change, to change that pattern. And it might take me eight months to do it, but I'm going to work hard because I believe it can be changed, and by changing it, it will affect generations to come. We pray that you will help us in this because we cannot do this ourselves. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.